Welcome to our newest adventure for first responder wellness. No one fights alone. In-depth conversations about mental health and culture in the first responder space. We're joined by your co-hosts, Austin Pedersen and Brad Shepard. Austin, man, it's great seeing you. And you literally just came sliding in like into home base to tune up our next podcast. I'm so glad you made this because this is going to be a fascinating one. Oh, yeah, dude. Going down that canyon in Utah to try and get here. I was going about 95 <laughs> down that canyon. And you've been in that canyon and you know that that is not safe at all. But that's that's speaking to the importance of our guest today. How bad I wanted to make sure we were on time, ready to go. Uh, get this thing going so that we can do another resource uh, across the country for our first responder listeners. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's get him introduced and, and on. We have Alex Minas with FHE Shatterproof. Man, welcome to the podcast, Alex. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you guys. It's been to get uh, great to get to know Austin over the past. I don't even know Austin. It took it took it took a minute to get you, man. So. Maybe uh, maybe it's the the wavelengths up in the mountains, but uh, yeah, it's it's been great to just start to finally get to know you. Yeah, Brad, you got to hear this story. I feel like a complete asshole. So this man, <laughs> you are. Yeah, I am right. It's, that's completely fair. So this man calls me while uh, I think I was on vacation, and I'm like, okay, I gotta I gotta make sure and call this person back when I can. Fucking completely forgot about it, right? And just you know, and then he calls me again when we're when you and I were in Indiana doing the training. I'm like, oh, I'll call him right when we're out of this. Completely forgot again. And uh, I felt terrible. I don't, I don't normally do that. Like, that's uh, that's terrible to just leave someone on red, right? And so I finally call him back. And he's like, man, you must have heard some shit about me to not, to not call back. And I'm like, dude, no, I'm just taking ownership of this. Like, this is just a dickhead move. Like, that's that's the bottom line. That that's hey that sounds like you man the i feel like that's probably going to be the same with i think there's another member of of mhg i've been playing phone tag with and i think i dropped the ball so i'm probably gonna i'm just now uh it's resonating with me is it fitzgibbons yeah pat yeah right, patrick yeah we've been playing phone tag and i think i dropped the ball so i think i'm gonna have to own some of that being an asshole too so <laughs> alex uh tell us a little bit about you uh before we dive into fhg and that fantastic resource uh who's who's alex where your what's what's your what's your journey that led you up to, to this point yeah absolutely so uh i think it all starts i went to college at the virginia military institute so a small military college in a small town in virginia and uh, my brother actually started there the year before i did and then uh, i followed in his footsteps so i went i went actually just you know i liked the small school and uh you know actually had a lot of great connections um you know, really from Richmond to Wall Street. And uh, so that's what kind of turned me on was like, hey, I, I probably need this structure. And a lot of high school friends had went to, I'm from a small small coal mining town in West Virginia. So blue, blue collar roots. And but a lot of friends would go to West Virginia University and just start a 10 year career. You know, we, we kind of, we laughed, but uh, big party school and that transition. So uh, my parents were wise to, uh, my brother had always wanted to go really one of the academies and so we found we found VMI and uh, and it just made a lot of sense, of course, when I got there. So you got to think uh, fall of 2004. So we're still pretty close to 9-11 uh, wartime. Uh, get there. You know, we've got classmates, uh, guys that have already enlisted coming and going, uh, you know, missing a year of school and coming back. And of course, like patriotism was just running through this place, uh, as you can imagine. So uh, after my freshman year, everybody starts in ROTC, but at VMI, you have the choice whether or not you want to ultimately commission uh, or not. 
And so uh, I got a scholarship in the Air Force after my freshman year. And uh, of course, like most, I wanted to fly. And uh, a long story, I did not fly. And, uh, and I didn't even know that the Air Force had assets and, and a base in Los Angeles, California, as we were just talking before we came on that, you know, I get stationed, I'm getting stationed in Los Angeles to be uh, an acquisitions officer, program management, space program. Uh, it was a really neat time in the Air Force. Now you have, now everybody knows and jokes about Space Force. Well, that's really a big part of what, what I was doing. Uh, we're all space assets. And in Southern California, you don't even, and that's where right Elon started uh, SpaceX. So during my time in the Air Force, was a lot of Elon coming on base and just all these things with space, you know, uh, assets and and satellites and that sort of thing. Um, so did my time in the Air Force in Southern California, and uh, meanwhile, my brother's in the Army, and I met my wife in Los Angeles. We got married, and her sister and two brothers all went to the Naval Academy. So we had, right, just military in the family, Guy, Fort Bragg, Camp Lejeune, back East Coast. And uh, so when we were looking to settle, Raleigh was just kind of this nice middle ground uh, between all of our siblings. And, of course, as, as it goes on the military, uh, one PCS cycle, and it was like somebody's in Germany now and, you know, halfway around the world. But that's how we got to Raleigh. And uh, it just started working. My wife and I moved here. We technically didn't have jobs when we got out of the Air Force, moved here. Uh, started working. And one of the first uh, medical sales jobs I had, I met a guy, uh, he was, we worked together, he was in recovery. And uh, we had just many conversations right back and forth. He ultimately went back into, into the treatment uh, world. And from there pulled me in, we had had conversations about, you know, hey, we're, we're selling into the medical world, and uh, how much mission is behind, you know, what we were doing, in essence. So when he was talking me into this, because I said, you know, I'm not in recovery. And uh, so I said, hey, I don't I don't know how that's looked at. Right. And uh, he says, no. Right. You 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 understand people, you know, a desire to help people, uh, that mission uh, kind of mindset. And uh, so that's what that's what started, you know, really got me here. And we were at a different company and uh, COVID happened. Right. And it was just the nuances of all of that and trying to make that work. Uh, but luckily enough, uh, the director, the vice president at that company was a Marine and a, and a corrections officer. He moved to FHE Shatterproof. And uh, and when he went, I made a phone call to him and just, hey, where are you going? What's going on? And, uh, and he said, hey, hold tight. You know, I want to bring you down. I want to show you this first responder program. I think it would I think you would really, you know, start to get the essence of treatment and, you know, in this in particular um, you know, having a military background and, and family kind of ingrained in the military. So that started on this path, you know, now we're two and a half years later. Um, and, and like I say, I think all of us get some of that, uh, whether it's a veteran or former military personnel that's crossed over, uh, into the first responder community. Um, so yeah, just culturally, you know, that all, that all kind of fits in. So that's probably, that's a quick, uh, that's a quick, you know, run through life from kind of the college to now. Man, that's a great uh, that's a great synopsis to 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 get us to uh, the resource of Shatterproof. Tell us a little bit about tell us a little bit about Shatterproof and what you guys got going on down there. Yeah, so what like I say, I have to say that it's it's just an honor to be part of a team uh, that they've put together over the course of FHE, right? FHE as a whole has been in South Florida, Deerfield Beach 
for 23, 24 years now, right? So had started from men's sober living all the way through, then, you know, adding clinical components and coming out of the 90s, turn of the century. And then I want to say about eight years now that the Shatterproof program has been formalized. And, you know, of course, folks started to see the need uh, that was presenting itself uh, with, I want to say, you know, in the beginning, predominantly police uh, were looking and utilizing the program, you know, first and foremost. And uh, so they got a team, right? Some clinicians, peers, so folks that, you know, had either on a private uh, private clinical practice had worked with first responders, so they were culturally competent. Um, and then, you know, little by little, uh, when new folks were added to the team, uh, we've, we've got a good clinical team blend of uh, both first responders that are now clinicians, uh, peers, right? They were first responders. And, and a few of the clinicians, like I said, have just kind of, they cut their teeth with working with the first responder community. Uh, so it's actually kind of, I think it's, you know, kind of a nice balance in terms of that. Yeah. I mean, at least when I started about five years ago now, uh, I think that a lot of people in the treatment world looked up to Shatterproof as kind of that, maybe the originator of uh, first responder treatment. And there's there's a lot of respect for what you guys do clinically, medically, uh, everything along those lines. I mean, tell us, man. So you guys kind of opened up doing this, this police work. What is it... Uh, at the core of your program, because especially people that are listening to us, they kind of know the difference between a 12-step yeah. program and, you know, more of a mental health focus. Like, what what is Shatterproof's idea of treatment? Is it, you know, more holistic approach or, or what do you, what is it? Yeah, so you've got, you know, I think it's a great question to have because I think some, some folks still fit that model really well of an abstinence-based 12-step, right? that uh, alcohol has certainly been, you know, a driving uh, challenge. So that's, and I feel like that's where treatment began. So it's, you know, they do that really, really well, right? That That's where FHE going back 25, 23 years now, um, you know, you're good there. But as you, as, as we've talked about, even Austin, with the, the challenges that have, that are evolving in the first responder world between, um, you know, just the overall culture, right? And some of the challenges uh, presented, you know, politically and, and those things, um, you know, feeling like they have uh, support from the leadership in the community, uh, the, the, the amount of critical incidences and trauma, uh, just right. So that, that breadth and scope and trying to meet that need. So, of course, you can come through FHE and be medically detoxed and then step into the Shatterproof program and be guided through a little more 12 step and those things. Typically, you're going to have other uh, mental health needs uh, within that. So everything from EMDR, breath work, as you mentioned, the neuro program, uh, I think is really the gold standard. You know, Dr. Dogers and his team continue to uh, lead there, you know, lead in efforts, um, you know, a database of, of, uh, of just all the data, right, brain data, so that we can continue to learn and get smarter um, you know, and see the types of things, uh, that are going on. So I think you've got a really good blend of both. You've got, you've got a lot of holistic, uh, your yoga for first responders. You've got a gym. We're expanding the gym. Uh, you know, you've got a world-class volleyball circuit, uh, down in South Florida, uh, on the campus where you can both be doing some CrossFit in the sand, you know, almost channeling our inner Navy SEAL. So yeah, I think there's a, there's a, there are some, there are some routes, through the program uh, that are pretty well entrenched. Uh, but I think that from a staffing perspective, from a, 
uh, I would say all of us are probably always looking uh, for great clinicians and great peers uh, that bring some resi- you know, resiliency aspects, uh, you know, from their careers, whether it be military or first responder. But but we're I think we're always evolving and looking to best meet the needs, you know. And, and I would say that too that most of the people listening probably realize as well that a lot of phone calls that I take, it's like, hey, am I only allowed to talk about my first responder time? You know, because it's like, well, man, you know, the marriage and children and relationships and, hey, even my childhood. So, yeah. So I think that hopefully that is a hopefully that's a good answer, but we can certainly kind of dive through it more. But we're we're always uh, looking to really be able to meet the needs, um, you know, family programming. Uh, I think COVID really did a number on that. Right. Because you used to have the campus more open, more people being able to come and go. And that really took a hit uh, for a good couple of years as well. Um, so, yeah, so a lot of these things, you know, trying to trying to really uh, continue to evolve and, and bring them in. Man, I love where you're going with this, Alex. I, I, I oftentimes, you know, having, having come from, you know, a, a career in the law enforcement game, there's so many, so many stigmas that are preventative to uh, allowing people the opportunity to really see and oftentimes because of the confidentiality nature of what goes on with some of these or just or just the sheer I don't want to hear about it if it's not there it doesn't exist kind of thing I I'd like for you to what what does a day in the life of FHE look like and and I say that with with uh, with the mindset of uh, trying to educate our listeners as to what this really looks like because it's a vast uh, misunderstanding and misinformation of well, it's just a vacation or you're going there and getting beat up by a clinician or you're, 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 you know, you're getting, uh, you're getting dogged down for all the, the shit that maybe happened to you, or you're going to drag out your childhood shit. You know what, what is, what is a real day in, in the life of FHE look like? Take Can you walk us through that? Yeah. Yeah. So, so everybody, um, you know, depending on what time you like to get up in the morning, I've, I've, I've had cups of coffee with guys at 5 a.m., you know, all the way through. So we do we do breakfast on campus. So everybody is fed. Uh, they also write in apartment style living. You have a full kitchen. So um, if that's your desire, uh, I always say, man, you got to you got to hope that you, we've got a good blend, right? Police, fire, emergency services. So if you got some firefighters, you usually got some pretty good cooks in there uh, as far as breakfast is concerned. Uh, but certainly breakfast, right? Group time in the morning. Uh, you're typically about three hours uh, of group in the morning. You've got your lunch period, you know, kind of reset. And you got to think, so we've got the gym, we've got volleyball, we've got a pool, uh, some of those things. So depending on how somebody wants to work those things in, a couple hours of group in the afternoon. And then again, once you finish that time, whether you've got an individual session, a breathwork session, uh, yoga for first responders, a couple of our local partners, right, bring dogs in different things like that, uh, is going to be some of your time. And, uh, you know, um, I think, I think peer time, right. So for a lot of folks, it's, it's that it hits you where, you know, no matter what you tell them, they still think that like, I'm going to get there and, you know, there's one or two of us, uh, whereas, Hey, you've got this, a really, you know, good diverse group of first responders coming from around the country. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of power in that. I, I hear from both sides, right, that it's like, you know, sometimes folks just don't want to hear that, but it's but it's a good blend of all of it, right? Strong clinical, uh, some of your 12-step, your treatment modalities, 
uh, individual therapy, but I think there's a lot of power in peer support, right? Oh, um, absolutely. I've said, I've said, I, lo- I love. I love getting down there, right, and and just spending time with folks that I've either talked to on the front end. Now we're putting a name with a face, and we're talking about life, and you find things in common, and end up knowing some common people, um, whatever it is like that. And then you know, I, I think I maybe if I forgot the correction side of the house, but you know, I always feel like if you have a few corrections folks in a program, that everybody else is sitting around hearing about what it's like, what life like is like in a prison every day, and they're like, man, you know what? Maybe things are better than I thought, you know, because if I had to go in that prison every day, you know, that's a man, that's I don't want to do that. That's a that's a rough route. So I think all that perspective, I think just all those things, you know, playing in are are just very helpful. Um, So hopefully that's a good day. Right. You're anchored by the group settings, but then you have, you know, you're going to get your neuro in. Right. So, you know, that's that's maybe an hour, hour and a half. So you could be having neuro, neuro and an individual session together, uh, neuro and EMDR. Uh, Like, say, you could be doing yoga. Uh, You can be having, you know, uh, there's there's two personal trainers and they run, you know, facilitate group fitness. Um, So all those things are woven, you know, in that in, in your day as well. And I like to think that, you know, like say that that's, that's a good blend. Uh, it's a good setup. And, uh, and it's typically, you know, probably similar for you guys that it's like, if they've been in some type of treatment setting or a hospitalization or whatever it is, that it looks way different. It looks way different, right? The environment's way different. The feel, the people, right? It is just, uh, and it should be that way, right? We should be trying to do the best dang job we should we're out we're trying to outdo each other almost in essence right it's like hey when folks come to us we want to be delivering a great experience to the best of our ability yeah yeah that's huge i mean first off i really like with what you what you're talking about because to me it's a similar approach that we have where this this isn't a cookie cutter thing right like there's not a one-size-fits-all approach to each and each different person uh, and it's important to expose somebody to a lot of different things in order to see what they vibe with, right? It's about ownership. It's about buying in on your recovery from mental health, substance abuse, whatever, right? But then this is where it goes into some more of that specialized treatment, right? Because the reality is, is I think both of us do specialized treatment, but part of that specialization is just being with other first responders because that peer support thing that you're talking about is so huge. Like just having somebody else in there who understands, who's gone through, you know, something similar uh, that they are, they're there for the same reasons, you know, whether it's, you know, issues at work, issues at home, family, whatever it may be, that's a huge part of it. And then, I mean, you got to talk about this a little bit. You're on the beach, right? Like they can go to the beach, they can go have a good time. Like that's got to be a big sell, man. Because for us, our sell is the mountains, right? Like we're, we're a little bit different. We're like, Hey, you know, if you're, if the beach isn't your thing, but hiking and, you know, fishing and like being at 7,500 elevation with all these beautiful mountains around and all this green, if that's what you're into, then that's us, but we're not a beach. Right. So, I mean, tell, tell us what it looks like for them. Like as far as the setting. Yeah, absolutely. So I, you know, I always remind folks that it's like, Hey, certainly depending on the time of year, it's going to be, it's always summertime. Right. So you want to be comfortable. It's like, hey, flip-flops are a must. You know, hey, what main complaint? Sometimes it's cold in the rooms, right? <laughs> so AC is always flowing. I laugh thinking about this last winter. You know, there was a little bit of a cold snap. So all of your iguanas 
right? Like freeze and fall out of the trees. And, uh, and I don't even know, maybe this was 40 some degrees, right? But it's like, Hey, we're not really set up for heat. Uh, cause it's always summer. Uh, so yeah. So you, when you're, when you're there and, and you mentioned it too, uh, some, either one of you said something about, Hey, are they on vacation? Right. And so we've, you know, I've had this issue where it's like, Hey, if someone's taking a picture because it's South Florida, man, beautiful plants, foliage, palm trees, it just naturally, right. If you see a picture, you're going to say, man, somebody's on vacation. And, uh, and that just happens to be, it's like, it looks like that everywhere in, in South Florida. Uh, you do have the beach. I think there's something about, you know, for, for me, if I probably spend more time, you know, in more of a beach setting than, than I appreciate right on my personal time, it's like, man, I want to come out to the mountains, right? I want to get some skiing in or just, Hey, in the summertime, uh, be in the mountains. So you can see the, you know, the, obviously the usefulness in, in both. Uh, but certainly, yeah, like, like say a little bit of beach time, some beach trips on the weekend, you know, that, that naturally comes into play. And, uh, you know, you're in, you're in a wonderful spot now, uh, but it's a more, you know, the, now your main settings, more city, right? So you're nestled in between, you know, really coming out of Fort Lauderdale to the North Boca Raton, uh, maybe, maybe, I don't say less than a mile, right. From, uh, technically from the coast. Uh, so you've got a nice breeze, but yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're nestled in the South Florida, but that campus is still, you know, I want to say. I may be wrong, but five to seven acres if I'm, you know, if I've got it, uh, if I've got it nailed down correctly. So you still have room to move, right? You're not, uh, you know, you're not just in a building. Uh, uh, there's a, it's a nice open campus. Um, but yeah, it looks, it looks beautiful like South Florida. But I think there's, uh, you know, to your, to your point, the, the reality of, and I know personally for Chateau and, and some of these other places we've been talking about, the reality of, of, it's not a vacation, but it is a time away. Uh, it's a disconnect, and some of that disconnect is really necessary, and it gives you the the time space to really do self work. Um, even though uh, you know, I was talking to one of the one of our guys recently. He's like, "Man, my my family thinks I'm up here on vacation." I'm like, "You can't stop that." But you know, ex- take advantage of the fact that there's some serene climates that you're in, and and some really peaceful. Uh, existence that you can actually have have this opportunity to uh, heal and and get a sense of calm so so yeah i think it's a i think it's a great point it, that that you know, you know we shouldn't apologize for the for the fact that it, they're gorgeous you know it's beach or mountains or because there's a lot of healing to take place uh i know from personal experience there's a lot of healing uh, takes place on some of those quite solid, quiet solitude walks. So yeah, on, on that note, you know, I think that it's uh, it's one of those. It's kind of ingrained in America, right? That it's almost like, hey, if the three of us are sitting here, it's like who works the most, right? Whose phone? If you get called at one a.m., right? Are you and and that some of that's just ingrained in America. So the fact of like, well, you know, you're going to be out for what amount of time? Uh, some of that's ingrained in all of us, right? That it's hard for all of us to disconnect to say, Hey, the phone's going off from whatever, you know, from whatever hours, if you go on vacation, I'm guilty of it. My wife would, uh, would go, you know, she's listening. She's probably laughing, right. That we, we are just kind of go, go, go. If you go in other parts of the world and other cultures, it's like, Hey, why do you not take a, you don't take a month off. You don't take a holiday, right. Uh, you don't go and recharge. So I think in general, all of us culturally, is that is kind of something that's this, you know, you're born and raised in, in that fabric of like, man, you just, you know, vacation is almost this sign of weakness. Right. And then it's like, Hey, if you do go on vacation, how many people are, 
four days into it and you finally like take that breath and like, okay, you know, <laughs> I've, I've disconnected in essence. So I think some of that's built in. The only other thing I would add as far as, you know, I, I what I feel like our program, what we try to do from a, from a world-class staff, world-class treatment, right? Your neuro and bio beds and, and all these things uh, that you have available. I usually use Tom Brady. I said, Hey, does anybody think less than Tom Brady? Does he have a sports psychologist? Is he using wellness things? Everybody know he's a big neuro guy, right? So he's been doing all, hey, and nobody thinks two things about it. If a professional athlete is doing all these same things, they just they just have these things probably available in their own home and the privacy of their home or at the sports facility or whatever else. And they're doing a lot of the same things. So I think more in terms of a of a wellness program, right? This is This is a great wellness program so that you can reset, set a foundation, and then continue on, right, in a more healthy way in the job that you love to do, uh, and then you know continue on in some way even when you return home with, hey, what's it? What is it? You know, meetings, individual therapist, uh, maybe some IOP time, uh, whatever it is. So that's that's a couple of things, and I think everybody's just used to running so so hard, and then uh, and then when you do get a little bit of time, everybody else is going. Hey, wait a second. You know, something's wrong with this situation that that you're taking some downtime after 18 years of being on the street, um, you know, of whatever city, Charlotte, Baltimore, Chicago, New York. Right. Um, yeah. And it's like, you know, most of us just kind of it's like, hey, how could somebody, you know, just have time off? Yeah, I love your uh, I love your uh, viewpoint on that. So if I, if we kind of back to the the original question there that that we've explored this uh, in depthly, uh, you have a, a great viewpoint on this, which we're really talking about stigma. Or we're talking about overcoming some of these stigma challenges. But uh, you know, you you've been doing this a while. Uh, going back to the misinformation portion of that question, uh, is there is there things that you have seen in your experience that uh, for some of these first responders out here that they just are misinformed about uh, what residential treatment uh, is about and and what are maybe what is something that you think hey this is something that I'd like to pass on as a message to maybe they don't know uh, what is great about shatterproof yeah well I would say you know first and foremost it's hey you know talk to Austin talk to Brad talk to Alex. You know, I usually tell folks, it's like, hey, you have to trust what I'm telling you, right? You have to trust the process. You have to trust what I'm telling you, right? And then, you know what, ultimately, if it's something different even still, then we'll have that conversation. If I need to fly to Florida and we have that conversation, uh, then let's have that conversation, right? Um, you know, that that's just, that's where we are. Because I think that, hey, who hasn't heard, right? It's like, you guys are both going to shake your heads. How many guys, if you said, hey, you know, uh, here's a place in your state, and it's like, no, I've taken people there. I've dropped people off there, right? So I would, so I can't, so that I can't go to a place like that. And, and that becomes what treatment is, right? People know what, in Florida, we have Baker Act, right? But whatever, whatever system of kind of involuntarily uh, being committed uh, to a hospital, you know, and if you're in a hospital unit that's a lockdown, and so, however they've come to think of what treatment is, or it may just be via TV, right? So whatever somebody thinks about, you know, what treatment is because of that, you know, I guess you guys, right. It's like, that's our job to, to, we're doing it here. You know, we we do it in different settings to where it's like, Hey, you have to trust that there have been names doing first responder treatment for a while now, 
right? That, uh, that, that really know how. And even once, and I think the way that we do it uh, in, in a really tasteful way, uh, we always have to say, you know, again, to my first responders out there that it's, hey, we've had first responders, right, that something, one thing said on the assessment and then we show up a different way, right? So even how we do an intake, you know, to make sure it's a safe way and some of those things, you know, your first responders don't always like that. And maybe it's like, well, hey, I'm, I'm coming voluntarily and and I don't understand why this this would have to happen or someone would have to check my things, uh, those that type of stuff. Um, but I always just, I, hey, I'm very clear about what we're going to do from the day one when you step through that door. And, and there's a reason for it, right? There's a reason for it. And there could be any number of things going on. And, hey, I, I think you would want to know, it, it, hey, everything is 100% good with you. But just to know that from a safety standpoint, right, that we're all going to do our due diligence to make sure, you know, trust but verify uh, that everything uh, is in a good way. So I think there's some things that they that the first responders still naturally don't like about entering treatment. Uh, but at the end of the day, what you typically think, what most folks ideas are, is that it ultimately looks different for that. And the places like Chateau, the places like Shatterproof uh, are just doing a really great job to try and support the need, which when we talk, it's like, you know, we're still only probably scratching the surface truly in, in what the need is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, I'm sure you've probably had to have this conversation multiple times, but uh, all you, sometimes all you got to say is like, you get to keep your shoelaces, man. You you get yeah. to keep your belt. Yeah. You bring your razors. Like no one's gonna take that from you. Like, I mean, that is the expectation for some people because the uh, you know Baker Act, for example. Like, I mean, you ain't. You, they're taking everything, right? Like they're taking strings out of your hoodies, and that's where first responders have brought people to so many times that that's that's just lodged in their brain of what it is. So part of that trust is what exactly what you're talking about, right? Is that they have to trust you, myself, Brad, or whatever on on what we say, which is difficult for them, right? Because they, they've seen treatment so many times, but they need to have that little bit of trust that we've, we've got their backs in one way or another. And and also, too, another point to what you're talking about with the, the those intake processes, I tell people all the time, man, if if we took every single person that had suicidal ideation to the hospital to go get involuntarily put in, we wouldn't have a single client. Now that changes if somebody's got an active plan and they're, you know, imagining what they're going to do and they're talking about what that is. Like that's, we've got to protect you as a person, you know, in your life first, because same with Shatterproof, like there, there are ways to harm yourself if somebody really wants to, we're not a lockdown facility. And you know, that's, that's the reality of the situation. So I love what you're talking about with that trust. Um, Another thing that I know this is going to be a huge part, and uh, I want you to take a minute if you can. I want to talk about your admissions process and and what it looks like if a department or an individual calls Alex and says, "Hey, this is what I'm looking to do, and I'm struggling mental health, alcohol, whatever it may be. Like, what do I do?" So, talk about what Shatterproof's admissions process is. If somebody is, you know, especially on the department side, if they're reaching out to you, what does it look like from start until they enter the facility? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one, two, three, right? Make the phone call, get your, have the insurance information, you know, in a date of birth ready. Let's, we get the insurance verified, do it in a very quick way. 
Uh, I think we're quick across the board, but obviously the team is built to know when a first responder, uh, when, whenever we're, you know, submitting that information. So we're going to do that usually in tandem with verifying the insurance that just step two, right? You're going to call and get the assessment done. So it's step one, right into step two, as long as they're ready, you know, and answer the phone, let's get the assessment done. And uh, as soon as we get a green light, right, depending on what, what obviously comes to light in the assessment, if it needs to be uh, cleared by the medical staff. Uh, but again, you're going to expedite all those things, knowing that, hey, we have a first responder. And uh, again, whatever came out on the assessment uh, the, and the fact that the willingness, right, the willingness to to get help is uh, have the insurance, have that information ready, get the verification done. In the meanwhile, you're calling to do that assessment. And sometimes by the time you get to the end of the assessment, it's like, you know, either either you're driving in or, you know, you're, you're hey, go look at the airlines and, and look at uh, what the flight options are, depending on where you're coming from. So I'd like to think about, right, as long as there's a flight that day, it, uh, in almost every case, you know, you can make it same day uh, type, you know, issue. If we're looking at, you know, depending on maybe there's a need that, hey, every now and then I run into it, guys, where it's, hey, someone hasn't flown either since 9-11 or at all, right? So I'm like, hey, do we have a peer available? Uh, I know a number of, of folks that, you know, readily volunteer their time uh, to do that. Or, you know, even within the department, right, there's either a peer or a brother, sister uh, willing to uh, make the trip with somebody. So however, you know, like I say, that's, that's our job, right, is to line that up as soon as possible. Other folks may say that, hey, look, we're getting the ball rolling, but I know it's going to be next Monday, uh, whatever that is. But we're, we're built and ready to. As long as we have all the information and we can and we can make a call to get the assessment done, it's 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 going to happen very fast. Man, that's uh, that's great stuff, uh, Alex. This has been an absolutely uh, fascinating conversation. Shatterproof's got some great things going on. How, if somebody wanted to look into Shatterproof, where do they find uh, information about Shatterproof? Uh, website, social media. Where could they where could they get more uh, info on Shatterproof? And and also too, man. Uh, we we want to make sure you are a great resource as well. So if you're willing and open to, we would love for you to share your personal contact information to anyone that's listening, whether it's a department or an individual, and, and also an email so that if somebody wants to make that call to Shatterproof to, to look at starting treatment, that they know that you can be the guy that Absolutely. can help them walk through that. You can help them, you know, walk through any issues that they have. And also, which we were given, you know, Brad and I were, giving each other shit about it earlier, you'll pick up the phone, right? Like that's, that's a big thing. So yeah, please give your, give your number if you're willing, uh, email, website, everything like that. Yeah. I was going to say, I think even, even, uh, Hey, just a cell phone, 919 area code, 919-717-0915. And, uh, and that goes to say, right. You, you can find us, Hey, look up shatterproof at FHE health, uh, on the web. You know, that can you're going to get you're going to get some information there at the end of the day. Right. It's hey, figuring everything out via website uh, is a challenge. But look there. Right. Look there. Make the phone call. Nine one nine seven one seven zero nine one five. And uh, we can talk through it. Sometimes, as you guys know, too, it's like, hey, if you just don't know about resources, maybe you've never connected with a peer, whatever it is, is that I probably know somebody. Right. Or, or we'll make a call. Right. It's, hey, somebody in Utah calls me first or whatever, and then, hey, listen, talk to these guys, right? They're they're in your area. It may, hey, 
go see a clinician, right? Go see a therapist, uh, you know, start there and maybe, maybe have an evaluation done, uh, whatever it is to where we can, we can just get someone started in the right path, uh, to be healing, healing, healthy, uh, all those things, you know, that, that's my commitment. Alex Minas, this is, uh, uh, thank you for, uh, coming on and offering up your perspective on FHE Shatterproof, such a great resource. And this has been a uh, great visit. Appreciate you so much. Thank you guys. Yeah. And I, and this is what I want to leave it with is, you know, I, I really, like I said at the beginning, Shatterproof has been around for, you know, 23 years. I think he said it's a great option. There's been, uh, you know, multiple hundreds and hundreds of first responders that have gone through, they know what they're doing. They're culturally competent. They can help you with whatever it may be. And I'm, I'm sure Alex is on the same thing. Make that first initial phone call that doesn't that not everyone's going to qualify for residential treatment that doesn't mean you know that it's a it's an immediate commitment to go into uh and get on a flight that day even though sometimes it is time to move right when somebody calls but uh they're a great resource um give i want to make sure that people know that they're there if you need the help 20 24 hours a day i assume just just equally as we are so alex thank you man i appreciate you coming on i'm uh, glad you on the short notice, we uh, we got you to, to come in and, and uh, I'll make the commitment to you next time you give me a call, I'll answer. <laughs> Chateau Recovery is a 16-bed treatment facility nestled in the foothills of the Wasatch Mountains in Midway, Utah. Chateau's first responder resiliency program is designed to treat the unique challenges and issues that first responders encounter in the course of their careers. Chateau's comprehensive and highly individualized approach to treatment addresses more than just the presenting issues. It addresses the why. Each of their seasoned, trauma-trained, and culturally competent therapists utilize evidence-based, specialized therapies to treat trauma at its core and enable clients to begin the healing process while developing a resilient and healthy relationship with stress. Chateau Recovery is trusted by departments and agencies from around the country to treat responders and veterans. In fact, it is one of only a handful of facilities nationwide that is vetted and approved to treat members of the Fraternal Order of Police. For more information or to speak to a representative, go to chateaurecovery.com or call 888-507-5031. No One Fights Alone is also sponsored by First Responder Trauma Counselors. First responder trauma counselors are subject matter experts in proactive behavioral health care for frontline workers through their National Peer Support Academy. This 40-hour all badges, all uniforms, and all scrubs educational experience helps to create caring, honest, and empathetic peer support relationships with your fellow frontline workers. The FRTC National Peer Support Academy is taught by actual first responders who have gone back to school to become culturally competent, licensed behavioral health clinicians that teach from lived experiences, not just theories from books. This fast-paced, immersive educational academy will not just change your life, it will help you save the lives of others. For additional details, visit 991overwatch.org or call 970-222-419-3. This could be the most life-changing academy you'll ever attend.